Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week four, day two of our study of Joshua. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Joshua 9, 16 through 27. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you through your word today. Touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word of reading today from the NIV. This is Joshua 9, starting in verse 16. Three days after they made a treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. Now, again, we're going to go to the map here. Uh, Gilgal, Jericho, Gibeon, Ai, all these things are right next to each other. Very, very close. Not far away, as the Gibeonites had said, as they had lied. And so it took, they sent the people on their way, and then three days passed, and they're like, wait a second, those guys weren't from a long way away. You know, there's rumors spreading as, as, you know, people on these trade routes are moving back and forth and like, oh, did you hear what the Gibeonites did with the Israelites? It's like, oh, you know, as they hear them passing, it's like, oh, what did the Gibeonites do to the Israelites? All of a sudden, oh my gosh, we really screwed up here. Verse 17. So the Israelites set out on the third day and on the third day came to their cities, Gibeon, Kephira, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, what, what this means, they, they come to these villages, these towns, right? And, and they're essentially kind of surrounding them. Uh, they're, they're bringing a military presence, but they're not attacking them. So they're, they're exerting control. They've showed up and they're, they're like, um, hey, let's talk. So continuing on, verse 18, the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. 19, but all the leaders answered, we gave them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that the, so the God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them, right? They acknowledge, they understand that we shouldn't have done this, right? So the Israelites, they march out. Most of the people really, they, they weren't part of the oath. It was really the, the elders, the leaders that made the oath. So all of the people are angry. It's like, we've got this, this town. We've got these, these people. The Lord has promised us all this land. And they're like, we can't do it. We can't touch them. And they say, God's wrath will be on us if we destroy them. Now, that's exactly what's going to happen to Saul and his family later on for destroying the Gibeonites uh, because he's going to break this oath, break this treaty that Joshua made with them. Verse 21, they continued, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leader's promise to them was kept. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, Why did you deceive us by saying, We live a long way from you? Well, you actually live near us. You are now under a curse. You will never be released from service as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So the Lord told them when they come into the land, they're supposed to kill everyone because their sin was so great. And this... I try to go back to this as often as possible because so many people are offended by what we see happening in the book of Joshua, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Judges, and then and then during the time of David, the the, the killing of all of these people. 
And I, I go back to the fact that the Lord told Abram, Abraham, generations, 400 years earlier, I am going to give you this land, but I can't give it to you yet. It belongs to these people, the Canaanites. It belongs to them. And I can't give it to you until their sin has multiplied and become so great that I have to destroy them. The Lord saying, I will eventually destroy people because of their sin. He does it to the Canaanites. He actually is going to do it to the Israelites as well. <clears throat> their sin is going to grow to such a point where he is going to wipe them out and move them away, but not totally. He's going to bring them back because he they are his chosen people, but he is going to discipline them much in the same way that he's disciplining the Canaanites and destroying the Canaanites here. And so the Lord responds to sin and oppression and wickedness. And these people are wicked. We need to understand that when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis, he's like, these people are so wicked that the cries of the people oppressed by them have reached my ears. And he actually sends two angels down to verify right? He won't establish, even though God is omnipresent, omnipowerful, right? Omniscient um, in, in all of those things, he still sends two angels as his witnesses. Even though the law hadn't even been given yet, he's like, he lives by that law that he will not exact justice unless there are judgment, unless there's two or more witnesses. And so he sends the angels down to say, hey, go and see if it's as bad as, as I've heard, as the prayers that are reaching my ears, the cries of, Lord, how long would you let these evil people do this? Those are the same cries that are coming before the Lord because of the Canaanites. So when the Lord is having them wipe out these Canaanites, he's having them do this um, wipe them out so that he can replace their, uh, you know, their wickedness with a, a, a society of righteous laws. They're living in the most unrighteous ways imaginable. Think of the most awful things you can do to other humans. And that is what these people are doing on a regular basis. And we're saying, I want them gone and I want to reestablish this land with righteousness and with laws that reflect that righteousness. And that's what he's going to do. That's what the people of Israel are there to do. Now, do they do it perfectly? No, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. But what he's, the Lord is replacing the, the Canaanites with is so much better. In fact, it's so much better that the, re, the, the, the echoes of what the Lord replaced those Canaanites with, it resonates to this very day. The laws in my country, the United States, and most of the Western nations around the world are based on what the Lord replaced the Canaanites with, the laws and the, and, and the ethos that the Lord replaced those Canaanites with. So this destruction it's justified. The, the Lord is the righteous judge and people get offended by this, but we need to understand the context of what's going on here. And so the other part of this too is to wipe them out or if they surrender to you, they can be servants. The Lord does not want these people being co-inhabitants of the land, right? If they don't want to die, they can surrender as essentially slaves and servants, but the Lord doesn't want these people as equals, right? Co-rulers of this land. If they live, then they have to be servants, right? Here, woodcutters and water carriers, right? Because, and, and this is a kind of a human nature thing, but 
if you've got servants, you know, the help, so to speak, it's just a, a general, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying this is how people are, is when you've got those people, people tend to look down on them. They don't view them as equals. They view them as people that can kind of be used and abused. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's kind of how it is. And so the Lord is saying, if you're going to live, you are never going to be equal to the people that I am replacing you with to rule this land. You will be their servants. And that way, they're not going to be tempted to be like, I want to marry your daughters and and worship your gods, your false gods. That's the point of all of this is they're, they're the servants. They're the help. They're not to be commingled with. And again, generally, not always, but generally people don't marry their daughters, make treaties with them, do all those kinds of things if they are looked at as a servant class. And so that was the the second option. And that's the option that the Gibeonites chose. They lied about it, but the Israelites made an oath and they're going to honor that oath, even though it was made on false pretenses. All right, verse 24. They answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you. And that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. Like we lied to you because we knew you were going to kill us all. And we kind of enjoyed living. And so the lie to get you to make the treaty with us seemed kind of worth it to us. And and as it turns out, it's worked out pretty good for us. Um, So we would rather be your servants and continue living than not be in charge of the land anymore and be dead. Joshua was probably like, okay, makes sense. (laughs) All right. I get where you're coming from and we're going to honor the treaty. Verse 26. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day. So to this day, and I don't think anybody knows exactly for sure what this day, the day that the book of Joshua was written, or, or when this was, you know, maybe the final edit is put in place on this book. Yes, the, the, the texts were written and then edited later and then kind of finalized at some point. That's how this all works. And so this day is sometime in the future. It is sometime much, much later, hundreds of years later, when all of this is, is finalized. And, and the, the this day that we're talking about, that's sometime in the distant future not when Joshua is writing these things down. Uh, That's actually an important detail when trying to understand the scriptures and and just uh, archaeology and things like that, making sense of what the Bible says when you're looking at the land. Those are actually important details. We'll talk a little bit about that in a couple weeks when we talk about some of the extra biblical things going on. Just know that the Gibeonites, they are put into forced labor to serve before the Israelites however they want to to essentially chop the trees down and to carry water. Two things that really nobody wants to do, right? The menial tasks that nobody really wants to do. And so now they've got free labor to do that. All right, for the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. 
Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.